Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 401. Yes, we're over that uh, that barrier, the 400 threshold, and uh, into uh, into the next century of shows here. So, anyhow, um, excited to be here as we are each week, and uh, I am coming to you live on uh, Tuesday. Um, uh, well, afternoon for me. Uh, I'm in Germany, uh, in Wiesbaden, just outside of Frankfurt, for our annual LBMA Loca conference uh, with Karsten and company. And Abriana, how are you? I'm good. I'm just getting my day started, so. <laughs> yeah. Anything new and exciting going on uh, in Atlanta besides the Super Bowl? Uh, well, yeah, Super Bowl obviously was here. So it's been a, it was a very busy weekend um, with all the festivities. And I did not go to the game. Um, I just camped out with family and had good food and Lots of fun, but um, sorry, I there, did there go was a game that was a game around like... the game. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really too exciting, was it? Um, yeah. I mean, unless you're a, a Patriots fan and you just want to win again. Um, but yeah, it was it was a pretty boring game. So I'm glad that I was in good company. But yeah, back to the back to reality now, and um, people are getting out of the cities. So hopefully, our roads will open up a little bit more. <laughs> than they were this past week, but uh, yeah. I mean, nothing too crazy going on right here. Yeah, all right. Well, we've got a, uh, just given travel and, and uh, poor bandwidth and all these things that we're dealing with uh, today, uh, we'll keep the show nice and lean. Three industry news stories, three member news stories, no guests or anything like that. Um, and as usual, I'll let Abriana kick it off. Yeah, so this story is about um, an app called TikTok, and um, I wasn't super familiar with TikTok, but that's because they just combined with the short form video app that most of us probably know of called Musically. Um, it's definitely a younger demographic that you know uses this app, so it's like short, you know, short form video of people like lip syncing or doing something. It's very creative. It's very like arts focused. Um, so anyways, they've started testing ads. So, I mean, I think this app's been around for a while now. You know, I'm not sure how they were planning on monetizing it, but now they're actually testing out some app ads. Um, and what they did is they actually did this, um, they did one with Grubhub that was seen, and it launched as soon as the consumer opened up the app. It, like, kind of took over the screen. It was only five seconds long. They could also exit out of it, but it was promoting a Grubhub install. So, um you know, I think this is cool. I, I think that, you know, obviously in anything that's like app based, you have to figure out a couple of things, you know, how do you, how do you get and retain your consumers, right? Your, your app users. Um, and then how do you monetize it? I mean, these are two huge things that you have to figure out if you're thinking of creating an app. So, uh, monetization typically trends towards advertising and being able to do that in a creative way. Um, with an engaged audience, I think that, you know, you just have to get a little bit uh, more thoughtful. So especially with this type of a platform, you're thinking about, um, 
you know, it is a creative audience, right? And they're typically doing some really fun stuff on here. And you have to find something that might align with Gen Z in the way that you push the format out. Um, but it is good for a good opportunity for advertisers probably to get in um, who want to be in front of that audience, like brands that align well with that Gen Z. So the Coca-Colas, the Pepsis, those of the world, you know, this is a good opportunity for them. Um, I'm not sure when it's going, you know, TikTok did not respond to any any press or inquiries um, about this. So they have not really responded in exactly how this is going to work. But I know a lot of agencies are probably antsy to get some of their advertisers um, onto this platform. So we'll see what happens next. Yeah, like it's um, it seems like it's it would have been the kind of perfect thing to align with uh, Super Bowl. Like to be honest with you, from a content perspective, right? It's that kind of you know sort of crazy um, you know creative type of content that uh, that you would think like like Burger King, you know, with the with the the weird. Andy Warhol commercial, uh, you know, like, I, I'm not even sure. Like, I saw that. I was watching the Super Bowl. I saw that ad. I don't know if you saw that ad, you know, Eat Like Andy or whatever it was. And I'm like, how many people, like, in Gen X and Z and, and these know who even Andy Warhol is? Like, like, like I don't know, right? Older people, yes, okay, I, 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 I you know, you can make that, uh, that association. But I, I thought, like, stuff like that was weird. But... I think a platform like this is interesting. I think the ability to create this form of content is interesting. I was talking to, we have a, as you know, Brianna, we have a new uh, social media strategist on board at the LBMA. Uh, and I was chatting with her kind of leading up to uh, coming over here to Germany. She's like, make sure when you're over there, you know, you're doing Instagram stories and you're doing this. I, like, I've never done an Instagram story, to be honest with you. Like, it, it's, you know, like, you know, put some video out there. It's all about video and content. And I'm like, okay. So you're going to see that tomorrow, hopefully, if I can get that done. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I I'm staying tuned. Yeah. yeah, stay tuned. So um, yeah, but 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 I think these types of platforms, this type of short form content, uh, you know, that's a lot of creative in it, I think is where brands want to play. And I think knowing about for, for me, the challenge with all of these things is how do you close the gap between social and location? Right. How do you use location data to know where these people are who are creating this content, how close they are to a place where they can buy or consume something from your brand if you're the one that's sponsoring this or advertising on this thing and, and using that data to kind of drive actual transactions and engagement. It's not all about, you know, eyeballs, right? So. And the challenge here is that you're going to have to get creative in the way that you do that because, um, you know, there's 13-year-olds on this app, right? Like you can't just utilize their location and then, and it'd be okay. Like you have to figure out how to um, provide value to them at the same time um, and, and be very careful about that. I mean, I think that that's, a, that's the touchy thing here, right? Is like, it's great that it's Gen Z, but guess what? It's also um, going to be a little bit more complicated and uh, you have to be a little bit more thoughtful about that as well, so. Yeah, there you go. Check it out, TikTok. Uh, all right, on to our second story now. This is a very, very interesting story for our industry. Um, the Bluetooth SIG, which is the uh, another nonprofit uh, organization, standards body, been around uh, since 1998, has announced Bluetooth 5.1. Uh, this was announced last week. 
Uh, it's available for developers now. Um, and what's really, really fascinating about this is we all know the power of Bluetooth. We all, we've talked for years about beacons and stores and all this kind of stuff and what you can do with that. But what's new in 5.1 is something that they call direction finding. Uh, and basically, the way you can think about it is like this, it is the ability to uh, search uh, uh, for a Bluetooth enabled device and uh, from another one um, and be able to kind of pinpoint where that thing is. So let's say, you know, you're, um, you've got a, uh, you know, a, a tracker on your key ring or something like that. Uh, you can, you know, use your phone, uh, which has Bluetooth and that key ring has a Bluetooth sensor on it. And basically it can lead you directly to where that thing is from a directional perspective, like follow the, you know, the arrow kind of thing. Um, and, and so essentially what we're talking about is, is the, think about GPS navigation, the way you use that, uh, you know, or if you're walking, you know, and you're using uh, Google Maps and it's giving you the, the turn by turn directions and all that type of stuff. Think about that indoors. Think about that with Bluetooth and think about that down to centimeter level of accuracy. That's what we're talking about here. So this is very, very powerful technology. It's a game changer in my mind uh, in what you'll be able to do with Bluetooth from a direction finding uh, point of view. Um, so it's not, we're not talking about meters now, we're talking about actual centimeters uh, level of accuracy. And I think this is huge. I think this, um, you know, for, from a proximity location marketing perspective, the guys who've been in that space for a long time, you know, if you can tune something down to, uh, you, you know, that level of accuracy, or if you can think about it this way too, it's not just now I've got the beacon on the shelf or on the wall or, you know, in the aisle, now, like with some of the beacons that are, you know, these things are really small, you can affix them to price tags or labels or embed them in, in items. Uh, now you can track where that stuff goes from an analytics perspective. So did they take the jacket off the rack and bring it to the change room? Did it move, right? You know, things like that, you know, being able to kind of watch things like that potentially with this type of technology, I think becomes really interesting because historically you could only do that with like RFID or that type of thing. Yeah, I find this really interesting, um, and I do think that it's going to have some great uh, applications in the future. You know, uh, there the story made me think of a few different things. Um, obviously, you and my husband recently had a birthday, and um, for my husband, I had bought him a new Apple Watch as well as um, the tile, which you were talking about, like the key ring, being able to find your keys. He's like, this thing's, you know, he's like, I could have done without it, but. That was great. And I'm like, well, I could have saved myself the the expensive gift and uh, just gotten you some more tiles. But um, he loves that thing, you know, and it helps him. He's always like losing his keys left and right. So that I think has been like a huge help as long as he can, of course, find his phone to then find the tile. Uh, but that's kind of, but now he has the watch to find his phone to find the tile, right? There you go. <laughs> <It's like laughs> but, um, you know, I was thinking I, I have like an awful habit of um, taking off my wedding ring when I'm bathing my kids and like putting lotion on them and things like that. And inevitably I have, I'll go like days without finding it. And I know it's in the house, but in the girls like play kitchen or something, you know, in there. But I would love, I love this level of accuracy. We can just dial down the actual fixture that, you know, you use to find it. So like, I think that is going to be the future. Like when that can get smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where it could be embedded in your wedding ring or embedded in something that you need to have, you know, that's extremely small or that you don't want to look like there's something on it. Right. But something that's traceable and trackable, 
Um, and I feel like this is just the beginning of where that direction is going to head. But that's me. Yeah, and I think too, like the they were talking about, like you know, using audio in this as well, right? In terms of the you know, finding the item, like have it emit like a a little audio tone, um, you know, that you can then kind of, you know, you're getting closer, it's beeping faster, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So, um, I think that I think this is really, really interesting, I, especially when it comes to indoor navigation, uh, wayfinding, and those types of things. So, really cool, Bluetooth five point one. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move over to uh, landlines now. Yeah, people still have those. Uh, I do not have a landline at my house. See, do you have a, a landline phone at yours? I do, but I like I already said to, to my wife, and, and I was talking to my daughter the other day, I, like I think by the summer it's gone. I, like I, I, it's In my mind, it's like I can't see keeping this thing any longer. Yeah, so we don't and we haven't, and I, I don't even know. I don't feel like we've had a landline in like eight years, right? Uh, we've just been straight mobile. <laughs> uh, but this this company called Number AI is really focused on people who do have landlines, um, and a lot of businesses still have landlines, uh, which is important. And they have raised ten point five million dollars. Um, they initially raised one point six million dollars in their seed funding two years ago. Um, but what they're doing is they see that forty three percent of the U.S. still pay for landlines. Apparently, it's called copper wire as well. Um, and what's also interesting about this team with Number AI is it's the same team that was behind Location Labs, mm-hmm. which remember were acquired for two hundred and twenty million in two thousand fourteen. So maybe they know a little something about you know building a successful business and um, location, right? So what they're doing though is Number AI is actually offering a service that so it automatically routes texts that are sent to businesses. So business numbers, they have the cloud-hosted inbox or like portal where they can just respond via an app or a PC or a phone or a tablet to any text messages. So they said that you know 89%. This is 89% of customers prefer to text a business versus calling or emailing. I find like that's really interesting, but I could definitely see myself saying like, well, I don't want to call somebody right now. I'm in the middle of something, but I could send a quick text and then you know check the response in a little bit. Um, and I mean, many of us know you call a business like a restaurant or a store and just to get to somebody who actually can answer your question takes a long time. So if you could send a text and then they could just respond when they have the correct information, I get that. I think that that maybe is uh, beneficial. And if we're talking about businesses having landlines, then that also kind of, uh, you know, makes sense as well. So the fresh capital they're, they're saying is going to be used to grow the product and engineering teams and deploy across multiple channels. Um, and then obviously the competitive advantage here, because there are other services that are apparently a little bit similar, but their competitive advantage is them saying, um, this is capable of autonomous, autonomously responding to frequently asked questions about hours of operation and location, as well as taking food orders and directing incoming leads. Um, and the product is actually called Numa. Um, so it also integrates with a bunch of different payment and loyalty and scheduling point of sale systems and services. So I like that. As a small business owner, like on the side, I totally get where this could be beneficial. I mean, we have like a little chat bot that we have done like FAQs with, I believe that lives on our website. But, you know, like this is kind of another uh, another option that people could have. Um, you know, we do things like call rail or whatever, but I could see this definitely integrating for smaller businesses and being able to answer questions quickly. Um, even if you don't have staff that knows the answers, you can get the right person, you know, get that to the right person. And it may not even be somebody who's in the business at that time. So 
um, I think this is valuable, and I and I you know I think these these uh you know um, location labs slash number AI folks might be onto something. Yeah, I think I, I really like this. I think this is uh, you know this is could potentially be a big disruptor to to that space. We see the power of uh, self service chatbots, customer service when it comes to social media platforms and people using Twitter and things like that to do this. Um, you know, we, we know that, you know, like we had, for example, at Retail Loco back in the fall when we had, uh, the girl from Walmart there talking about what they're doing with all the chatbots and, and things there to try and answer people's questions. But, you know, the reality is, is businesses still have landlines and, uh, you know, if you can leverage that infrastructure and be able to have people text, you know, to the, to those platforms and then have an automation aspect to it to answer questions. Um, like in the old days, way back when I used to, uh, work for a startup, uh, called Helpcaster and we built, um, kind of like, uh, automated customer service through web portals, uh, like, you know, sort of the FAQ kind of style thing, but you know, where it was all like sort of engineered questions and, and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, pre-formatted text responses and all that type of stuff. Um, and even, even over voice, so like we would have like this click to call kind of technology where you can click and it facilitated a, a call between, you know, you, your number that you put in and, and the call center and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so, so I think there's, there's definitely um, a huge opportunity here uh, to kind of build a platform around the landline infrastructure and then have it be, you know, customer service oriented. So I, I really like what they're doing here. And certainly, you know, the team at Location Labs, Tasso and those guys, uh, you know, built a great uh, organization uh, in those days and obviously did well uh, in exiting from that. And I have no reason to think that they can't do it again uh, with something like this. Um, so really, you know, I'm excited to see where this goes. And I'd love to, you know, from, from, a, from a location perspective, I'd be interested to know if they're, if they're collecting any data uh, on where those um, inquiries are being initiated from uh, and sort of mapping that kind of stuff out. You know, years ago, we were, we, you know, going back to what I was just describing before, when we looked at call center uh, businesses uh, in terms of, you know, calling into big corporations and trying to get questions answered, one of the things that we, we looked at in those days was where were those calls being initiated from, from a geo perspective? Uh, and then, you know, thinking about can you build a distributed call center instead of having, you know, 300 people in India or wh wherever it is um, answering answering those questions, you know, could it be I'm calling from Tulsa, you know, uh, Oklahoma or, or, or wherever, and, you know, the call gets routed to, you know, some stay-at-home mom or dad, uh, you know, who needs extra income that, that can answer those questions. Do you know what I mean? And, it, and it's a local call instead of a long-distance call or an 800 number call or whatever. Um, and, and you can do those kinds of things using geodata. So I, I see opportunities here to kind of still collect a lot of interesting location data and then sort of map that to uh, localized customer service, you know, rolling trucks, all that kind of thing, you know, for, for, for response. So, yeah. Cool. All right. That's our three industry news stories for this week. We're going to shift over to the member news now, and we're going to start off talking about a whole bunch of uh, LBMA companies kind of working together here, uh, but we're starting with Vistar Media, uh, who we know well from the uh, digital uh, out-of-home industry, and they are launching a new 
foot traffic measurement platform um, by uh, teaming up a whole bunch of uh, providers, Place IQ, Factual, Cubic, uh, Ninth Decimal, M4, uh, all kind of coming together uh, in a kind of consortium play uh, to uh, provide foot, foot traffic measurement uh, around what uh, the Vistar Media guys are doing. So, um, you know, they say there's more than 50 media owner networks um, that are part of this. And, uh, and, you know, and, and I think this is this is good for the industry. So, so what, basically what we're getting at is, look, you're running campaigns, you're running ads on the Vistar uh, platform, and you want to understand performance and attribution. And, and now they're basically saying, look, you know, we've got 50 different ways to do that. Uh, we've got this network of providers who can give us different levels of attribution uh, and measurement uh, on this, depending on where you are or what market you're in or... You know, whether you're looking to do this in store or you're looking to do this, you know, relative to the billboards uh, or what have you, um, they can help you kind of look at that uh, at scale, right? Or even combining platforms together to give you different uh, different viewpoints on that or aggregating uh, the measurement into uh, into a different kind of cohesive number. So I, I think this is cool. I think this is interesting. I think the ad advertising uh, agency community and the media buying community are going to love this. Um, and uh, good on Vistar for being able to kind of corral, you know, all these companies into uh, into into one uh, network platform like that. So, your thoughts? Yeah, I I think that this is cool. Um, I think that it obviously makes sense in the time they're trying to figure out traffic. Um, so you know, working together and everybody kind of having a piece of the puzzle or something that they bring to the table. Um, that they can say, like, this is what we do really, really well, and this is part of the overall picture, and with Vistar sort of heading this, I think this, it makes it makes sense. So I'm looking forward to hearing more um, about what they're doing and, and maybe some interesting numbers. Maybe they can present something at um, Retail Loco or something to say, here's what the findings have been and how we've worked together and the pieces that we all bring That'd to the cool. table. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. It's time for the obligatory pizza story, right around Super Bowl, of course, and this time it is from Domino's, and um, they offered members a uh, something called, they have a rewards program, and it's called Points for Pies. Um, so now members had the, the, were part of this reward program, the Points for Pies program, had an opportunity to actually get points without having to buy pizza. So they launched this just the weekend right before the Super Bowl, so just this past weekend, and um, what it is is they have like this AI tech inside of their app that can spot a pizza. Um, it could be any kind of pizza. It doesn't have to be a Domino's pizza. It could be a toy pizza, like something that a dog chews on, like a chew toy. could be a pizza that you make on top of an English muffin. Um, like any type of pizza that you make, you use this AI, you scan it, um, and then they give you, I think, 10 points, right? And you need 50 points to earn a medium two-topping pizza. So, um, I mean, people probably got some, you know, worked their way towards uh, a free pizza with just scanning something around them that looked or was pizza, maybe not even Domino's. But I think this is really interesting. because so they, you know, they did this, they invested in this technology, sort of, and built this out rather than spending $5 million on a, you know, what, 30-second ad spot, 15-second ad spot, whatever it costs this year. Um, uh, during the Super Bowl, and I think that that's probably a little bit smarter because 
the only the only commercial I actually remember from Super Bowl was the one you that you mentioned, Eat Like Andy, because I was like, what? That's weird. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, that was the only commercial that I actually remember seeing. So, you know, I think that just goes to show, like, yeah, I'm chasing after crazy kids, but at the same time, like, I think that, you know, what's memorable is having something in interaction and somebody giving you something or giving you um, a step towards something in terms of loyalty and, and free tips. Hey, that's pretty cool. So I like this. I like the way that they went about it. I like that they did this, like, right around the Super Bowl. I think this is perfect. Um, lots of people are ordering, you know, pizza on the weekends, watching football. It's just normal. So, um, you know, I would uh, the only the only downside of this is, like, it could be something that they could have launched at the beginning of football season. But, you know, in light of the fact that they're not investing in Super Bowl advertising, I guess it doesn't make sense that they launched it for this weekend. Yeah, um, so so I, I think this is great. I think it's uh, a, a cool way to drive app downloads, and for me, that's what this this story is all about. This uh, this initiative is all about is is to try and drive uh, app downloads and engagement and mobile ordering. Uh, you know, ultimately uh, of Domino's Pizza through the app. So, uh, and they have some interesting uh, numbers here that they talk about. Um, the uh, nearly ninety two percent of customers view placing a QSR order via mobile app as a positive experience. Um, and uh, they said that uh, 50% share of Pizza Hut sales uh, last year were placed through Quick Order, which is you know their their thing there. So increasingly, I think when people get comfortable with that uh, and they have that app there, they you know there, there's this you know easy affinity to to ordering through that uh, um, kind of digital platform, and uh, and it works obviously and. Um, you know, uh, so so for me, you know, driving app downloads this way, you, even if you have to give away a couple of free pizzas, um, I think it's worth it, right? Like, I mean, if you talk about cost per acquisition per app user being a uh, a two topping, you know, pizza, that's probably not bad, right? Um, you know, in terms of what the actual cost of of, of producing that is for you. Um, so I think this is great. I think, you know, that they have a loyalty program is good. Uh, you know, we used to order a lot of Domino's uh, at our house uh, and the loyalty program is key. Like I still, we, we've since switched off of Domino's. I won't say where we've gone, mostly because of my kids' preferences. Uh, got nothing to do with me. Um, but um, the, uh, like I've, I've got like these loyalty points sitting there like that I can redeem like for like, I think like three pizzas right now. Um, you know, so it, I, I think there's certainly value in that. And I think people uh, appreciate, you know, that, that they can do that. And, uh, you, you know, around Super Bowl, um, I think the timing is really interesting, too. You know, here, here's an interesting thing, maybe just switching off of, of, of this specific story. What was the rea re local reaction, uh, Brianna, like in Atlanta to the fact that Pepsi was the uh, sponsor of the Super Bowl and kind of tried to do this sort of uh, domination from an advertising perspective? Did it really move the needle did people notice that at all locally i don't think that it was noticeable because i always think when i think of football i think that like pepsi's going to be there right pepsi has traditionally done a lot with football um and the nfl over a long period of time and i feel like you know coca-cola has done a lot with um you know mlb so i don't know i didn't really think of it um to be honest but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure all the Coca-Cola people thought of it, <laughs> but, um, I mean, if they, they pay to play, right? Like they, yeah. 
they always bring in the talent and the music and that's I mean that's Pepsi's thing so um you know I like yeah I'm definitely like pro home Atlanta but um I don't know I don't I don't really think much of it to be honest yeah all right well anyhow uh good story uh by Domino's I, I love this initiative that they put this out there I love that they timed it around the Super Bowl uh, and I and for me again great strategy to drive app downloads and uh, I love that they have the the hotspot piece built into into their app so you know you can see kind of where you, you know on the map um, to select you know where you want the pizza coming from or where your customers are and all that kind of uber like kind of feature right so uh very very good uh good job dominoes yeah all right 20 percent increase in digital order size i mean that's that's a win right <laughs> yeah three percent is probably a win too but uh 20 is great so there you go <laughs> All right, our final story uh, for this week, and I don't—we don't have a lot of news about this yet, so it's a very short story. Uh, only to say that Uber has uh, announced that they will be launching a flying taxi service, and they will be up and running in the next four years. Uh, passengers using the Uber app would be picked up from a designated area on top of an office building, car park, or shopping center, uh, and then the—they say these flying taxis can go between 150 and 200 miles per hour at the top end. Uh, they're trying to figure out the cost structure around this. Uh, they're estimating that it would cost uh, about $60 for a regular service, maybe up to, uh, sorry, the regular service uh, might be $60 and the Uber Air might be about $90. Um, and they're expecting that this will launch the first flying taxi in Los Angeles and Dallas uh, in 2023. Are you going to do this, Abriana? You're going to get in a flying taxi? I'm. Um, if it's like a helicopter pilot, maybe, but if it's the Uber drivers I usually ride with, probably not. <laughs> what if it's drone? I need like some what serious, if it's drone? Like... Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, drone is like anti-flying, uh, not, not like being a passenger and flying, but, um, you know, you hear all of these stories about like famous people who want to, you know, be pilots, like they're, you know, there's some professional athlete and they decide they get their pilot's license and then you know, they have a horrible accident and that's the end. It's like, next so thing you know, they put the know. next like, thing you know, they put their plane in the water and, uh, and then they're, they're posthumously getting elected into the uh, hall of fame, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I yeah. feel like, okay, there's certain reasons why you may want to take like a, you know, a flying taxi. Okay. It could be cool for a special event or an anniversary or something fun like that. Um, but, I don't know. I mean, I think that there has to be so much more validation. Um, I mean, we're talking about like four years away, really. I, I don't know. I just don't see that happening. And uh, I mean, okay, like I could see this in a case of an emergency, right? Like I've got to get my kid to the hospital. Like that's what I'm, you know, like airlifting kind of service. Like that's where I would see this being valuable. But just like regular flying around. I don't know. Yeah, I, I need to know who's doing the flying. Yeah, so there, there is. Um, I think in New York, there's a service already. It's been out, been around for a couple of years. I think it's Gotham Air or something. I, I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, we talked about it way, way back on the show. Um, but basically, it's hel it's helicopter service. 
Um, and but but it's it's booked through an Uber like app experience and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know you so you know you're trying to get to LaGuardia or you're trying to get to wherever you're trying to get to um, in a hurry. And um, you know you just you don't have the time to sit in traffic uh, to 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 do that. And and you want to pay a premium and they'll fly you there. So. I get it from that perspective. I, I think there's certainly, you know, time-starved consumers, um, you know, who uh, will pay premium for, for something like this. But I'm with you on the, uh, you know, what is the training certification security aspect of this look like? Um, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that, you know, we're going to have flying cars one of these days. Um, you know, probably in our lifetime, but, uh, you know, four years seems soon for, for a service like this for me, but we'll see. Yeah. We don't have self-driving cars yet. (laughs) All right. That's our show for this week. You've had three industry news stories, three member news stories, some interesting things in there. Probably for me, the most fascinating is centimeter level accuracy uh, from Bluetooth um you know and good stuff from Domino's as always um and uh yeah we you've been listening to episode number 401 of this week in location-based marketing of course we'll be back next week uh with yet another show and uh if you have story ideas if you have feedback uh, uh obviously feel free to reach out to us the contact information is on the screen at the end of the show and uh we'll be back and thanks for listening and watching bye